good evening and welcome to the Football Bubble. Myself, Phil, Steve and Patrick are here uh, tonight. Hello lads, how are you? Good evening. Hello guys. Um, Cousin Mud uh, can't make it, uh, technicality. Um, he's just been on the on the sauce since Arsenal won the league there yesterday, beating Tottenham. And Brett, and obviously he has uh, he's a lot going on this week because the big man's getting married on Thursday. Um, we're all excited for that, and I'll just get it in now from the bubble. Many congratulations and all the very best, Brent and Kerry. It'll be amazing. Hope you have a lot of lovely years together, and I hope Chelsea never win a trophy ever again. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the two big derbies, obviously, around this weekend. Um, Cousin Mud, by the way, couldn't get on because he te- uh, an IT technicality. He's not actually just still out celebrating the Arsenal win, <laughs> as much as he would want to. Um, we're going to talk about the North London derby after... And Stephen, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to rip this band-aid completely off your face here. Uh, the Manchester Derby. Uh, we're going to get it out of the way. Let Steve cleanse and get rid of all those demons because the Raiders are playing in two hours. Yeah, just under two hours. Yeah. And I know Steve is focused on that because he needs some sweet win from somewhere. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Liverpool-Brighton uh, and just how poor Liverpool have been and, and the worries that myself and Patrick might have. And to try and finish off, we can squeeze it in the talk of the potential Super League coming back, which we knew was going to happen anyway, but um, we'll maybe get that or we might have to park that, but we'll try anyway. The Manchester Derby, uh, I have to let you go first, Stephen. Uh, don't kill me. We were in the, the WhatsApp group before, beforehand. Yeah, we're in the WhatsApp group beforehand. Uh, I was obviously being quite bold, but you were saying that you thought it was going to be 7-0. You, you knew you weren't, going, you weren't that confident anyway. Did you actually expect this type of performance? And and like this is a couple of big defeats now already. The start of this season, um, we thought things were maybe turn around with four wins in a row. But what do you think happened? I think Man City happened. <laughs> to be honest, um, I tweeted it out during the game. Like I, I honestly like I, I fully expected City to win and win comfortably. I thought it would be four, five, four, or five. To be honest, so. For United to only lose by three, maybe that's just, that's not the worst thing in the world. But I I just felt that despite the wins over Arsenal and Liverpool, like the, the Liverpool performance was really good. The Arsenal performance, they probably got a little bit lucky. And it had a couple of okay performances, but more importantly, they got wins in games. But I wouldn't have said said they they'd blown me away kind of since that period and I thought the international break came at an awful time I would have been a lot more confident about United's ability to live with City before the international break Ten Hag the strike or strikes me as the type of manager who when he has his players full attention when he has a bit of time with them he he can execute his game plan um, but there didn't seem to be any semblance of a game plan out there today. But it's just, it's funny. Like it fe- I feel like I've watched United. The first City goal today, people were raving about you know City's passing and stuff like that. But I feel like I've seen United concede that goal like two dozen times over the past few years. And it's where a centre half, and it's usually Harry Maguire, but today it was it was Rafa Varane. A centre half sees a player in space, spots the danger. And then does nothing about it anyway. Just like walks away from it. And the, the comms were blaming Ericsson for not tracking Foden's run. But Varane is staring at Foden and still backpedals towards the goal rather than moving towards the player. It's it's just abysmal defending from someone who is so decorated. And honestly, like 
I know he won't be your favourite player, but what a feckin' centre-half Sergio Ramos must have been to win all those trophies with Varane behind, beside him because um, I'm not seeing it. Like, I'm not seeing that quality there. And then after that, it was just the Haaland show. Like, he's just unplayable. Like, he is... Uh, you know, you and I like to, to have a pop at each other in the WhatsApp group and on Twitter and stuff like that. And... <laughs> Like it's all it's all fairly friendly. I mean, we we know the we know the line to cross yeah. the line yeah. to cross. But like, when you think about it, the fact that Alfie Inga Haaland, you know, took a bad tackle from Roy Keane two decades ago, and has twenty years been plotting this revenge <laughs> with a mutant son, um, who is, is just he is like the. It is honestly, <laughs> I'm going to make a Rocky Four analogy here, but it's like Dolph Lundgren's character in, in Ivan Drago in Rocky Four. It's like he was bred for this. Like, it, there's, <laughs> there's, there are very few flaws in his game. Now, like, I mean, he barely touches the ball outside the box. He rarely shoots from outside the box. But like, when you're scoring, when what you're scoring a hat trick, it's seemingly, seemingly every second game. doesn't matter. Like, like, your touches are all coming in the opponent's area. And when you have a player like Kevin De Bruyne, um, who I think Paddy said earlier on today is is the best player in the world, and it's hard to argue with, with with when you see some of his passing. But like, what must it be like to be a forward, especially a forward as clinical as Haaland, and have someone like De Bruyne supplying you with with true balls and with passes? It must be just a dream come true. And like, City in this form are just inevitable. They're just there's not a team can stop them. The problem for City is going to be that that Pep is going to big brain himself in the quarterfinals or the semifinals in the Champions League again because he he can't just take this method of Manchester City playing and this style and just apply it to every single game they play. He has to be tinkering. Um, so I think, uh, like, I'm not... Uh, you should be, I should be... I should be gutted by a 6-3 derby loss, like... But uh, it was so expected. Um, and... It's really hard to be too upset about it, like because you know you have to take your hats off to City at some stage and say they're phenomenal. But at the same time, United, it just in a way it's good, it's grounding because, and I realize I'm rambling here, and I'm sorry, but in a way it's a good kind of check for United fans to pump the brakes a little bit about you know where this team is. The Ten Hag experiment was always going to be a multi-year thing. Um, winning four games in a row just because it's a rare thing for United recently was it would have been very easy to get excited but this at least kind of brings the reality of the situation back home I still think they're a decent team I still think they're a top four team in this Premier League I don't think they would have been a top four team in last year's Premier League but in in this one I think they are Um, and they just have to get over this they just have to move on from it Paddy uh, obviously Steve, Steve talking about the mutant that is Erling uh, Brute Hallander, and, and you're one of his biggest fans. I know you've you've always been on since he's burst on and seen that Haaland train. He's scored 14 goals now this year. Only eight players scored 14 or more last year in the Premier League. That's three home hat-tricks in a row. Um, and his assist for one of Foden's goals was absolutely... I thought it was De Bruyne. You know, if you kind of glimpse at it, or glimpse at it quickly, like... Um, because I missed the first, I only saw, I only listened to the first half. I had to like watch the highlights of it, but I saw the second half, um, which needed one. So small victory, Steve. Um, 
but yeah, like <laughs> we knew it was going to be good, but did we expect him to be this good? Like he he's a cyborg, but he and he's even shown emotions, which is weird. I didn't think he was capable of that, and now he's assisting players. Like um, he doesn't seem stoppable. Yeah, no, the, the assist for the goal you're talking about was great because Grealish actually gives him quite a poor pass, and he he has to stretch for to get the touch, and then he just threads it through. Lovely, uh, he's, he's been incredible. He he gets me sexually excited. Like he's absolutely ridiculous. He's the best striker. Well, I think when when all said and done in a decade's time, if he stays in the Premier League, this is he's going to smash Shearer's record. Kane, well, Kane's probably going to beat Shearer's record too, but. Haaland will smash it too, and he'll probably have a number, a few Ballon d'Ors, and about five Champions Leagues as well. Um, you know, barring some disastrous injury, because he, he just he's got everything. Um, thought he was amazing today, but I thought De Bruyne, you know, De Bruyne got two assists, um, and he doesn't get the headlines. Obviously, Foden and Haaland got th- three goals apiece, but De Bruyne was ridiculous. Like some of his touches, some of his dribbles, his pass for Haaland's second goal was absolutely ridiculous um, to find that space. Um, and Foden, like, we do slag Foden. I think it's because we don't really like Foden, but like, he is an incredible player. And in fairness to my brother, who has had some terrible takes over the years, um, prime example being wanting Liverpool to sign Connor Salmon. Um, <laughs> thinking, oh thinking Lazar Markovic was going to be a Ballon d'Or winner. Um who else was he big on? Andrea Wisdom or something? Maybe that was my dad. That was but, your dad. Um, so Andrew's had some strange takes, but I remember Andrew saying when Foden just burst onto the scene, getting a few substitute appearances, the odd start here or there for Man City, he said, he will win a Ballon d'Or. You mark my words. And honestly, I, I think he is good enough. I think he's incredible. I think he's really excellent. I think he's the best of any of those kind of um, English kind of attacking players. Um, I think England should build their team around them. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's brilliant, you know, like and as good as Saka and you know Sterling and and Mount and some of these other guys are, Foden's the one. Like if you can get him in tandem with Harry Kane, you know that could potentially be devastating for for England in the World Cup. Um, so yeah, City were amazing. It's as good a performance, good as first half performance you'll ever see. They were excellent. Um, as Steve was touching on, United were shit. Um, they never really looked at it. I really don't understand why Casemiro's not starting games. Like, you know, he's someone who was the anchor of a yeah a, a team who dominated Europe for a decade. He was seventy million pounds. Fucking start him. You know, like just plug him in. I know people said don't change a, a winning team or whatever like that, but really, like he should be in there and can offer just a bit more solidity because McTominay had an absolute shocker today, and Ericsson... As lovely a player Ericsson is, Ericsson's really played as a number 10 for most of his career, like in a 4-2-3-1 or whatever, bit of a free role. He's not a, he's not a player I would like in a midfield three. Um, and I think that maybe gets a bit exposed defensively. Um, I know Steve was kind of really going for Varane as well with the goal, but you know, Ericsson really was didn't sniff the danger out at all either. And that would worry me, um, you know, if, to play him in that midfield role. So... Yeah, I think United won't won't get much worse than that. Um, you know, and they're still good enough to be a definitely top four challenging for sure. Yeah, I think what what today showed as well. <clears throat> we all suspected it, and we'll, we'll touch on Arsenal soon, obviously because they're they're still the top of the league. But it 
in a weird way, it, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like City are leading the league, even though they're not to the point behind. But um, I think what what just uh, uh, today illustrates is United are good enough and will challenge for top four. Um, but City have gone another level, two levels up than everyone else. Like you mentioned before, Steve, Liverpool play City at Anfield in, in, the six, in two weeks' time. And at the minute, that's going to end up a cricket score. Like, that's going to end up Villa three or four years ago, 7-2 type, if, if Liverpool don't get their act together, the, the way City are playing. And and as, yes, of course, it's not never nice to lose a derby for United, but they were just sort of, they weren't great today. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to stick off them or anything, not in the slash in that way, but they've come at a time at a City side that have just, this, and I'll call it new and it's not really that fresh, but this City side now with Haaland have clicked into a gear that I almost wish we'd gone back to the Community Shield now and not slapped them and not annoyed them because Hallen mentioned it and his thing says, ah, Community Shield, where I didn't play when I thought, oh, right, okay, I better get ready. And then the Freak's gone and scored 14 goals and can't stop scoring since then. Like, we've absolutely fucked it for everyone now, mm-hmm. acting the candy man and beating them in the Community Shield. But it's, it it's, I, I, I think this year's the year where there's no, Pep cannot, he he simply cannot big brain this if, as Steve says, if they get to quarter final or semi final, he just has to leave it the way it's going now because it's not that it's perfect because people illustrate the league three goals. Uh, they were four 0 up when they started when the goals started coming in. To be fair, but this this city side at that at that performance today with the front players and then you have to remember Diaz didn't start Akanji by the way everyone sort of has half doubted because he came from Dortmund and there wasn't that big a uh, fanfare around him he looked good at times today like he did and obviously he's in beside Nathan Aki you're going to have him Laporte's coming back Diaz has said coming back Gomez came on got an assist this city side's a different level like um, it's done for me the league they're going to win the league very like very handily and I I just, at the minute, I can't see them being stopped in Europe. And I've been wrong before. I've said them a few times about it. But I just, there's something, there is something Norwegian and different about this side. But there's just something different about this city side. And it maybe is the fact that the Bruyne can look up and he knows, like you said it there, when he said that the pass wasn't that great to Haaland for it. And then he got the assist. But he makes it, his pace across the ground. When we saw, like, Brazilian Ronaldo, a phenomenal the original run at pace. It was always noted about how quick he was across the ground. Mbappe too, wow! But when Haaland does it, it looks freaky. It looks scary. It looks. It literally looks like it. It 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 looks like it literally does look like he's on a superbike. Yeah, like you can hear so him go. Near him. It's, yeah, it's it's, just, it's it's just size. It's everything about him. Like it's just it's actually incredible that like. Norway as an international team don't actually do better since he, he's arrived on the scene because you just build everything around him, don't you? And that's what City should absolutely do for the rest of the year. Like, as I said, he doesn't touch the ball very much outside the box, so therefore he's not doing a huge amount of tracking back. He's not doing a huge amount of running. So, like, he's going to be fresh for pretty much the entire season no matter how many games they play him in. Um, The only thing I would say... And the risk of a player like that is if you do lose him to an injury at any any particular time, he's he's irreplaceable because there is nobody like him. Um, so I do wonder about how City would cope with that when you become so reliant on something like that, on a player like that. Um, like 
how do you replace him? You know, especially as a team that got rid of their one kind of striker <laughs> to Arsenal this season. Yeah. Other than 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 Haaland themselves, so it, it is a it's it's going to be that's going to be a challenge for Pep if that happens. In from a neutral point of view, I'd be really interested in seeing how many goals he can get if he stays healthy for an entire season. Um, and just on on Paddy's point. Me too. On uh, Foden for England, I actually saw like I think it was Grace Robertson, um, and a couple of people kind of debating the Foden thing because he hasn't looked this player for England. He never looked, and Grealish too. Like the Grealish we saw at Aston Villa has never done that for England really, and Foden, the Foden we see at Man City has never really done it for for England. And you, you kind of have to question Gareth Southgate's role. I was in, just about to say that. that like because you know. Obviously, Phil, you have your views on. on, on He's Pep. a fucking wanker. Like I know, I'm trying not to curse, and but I'm angry uh, anyway as it is uh, with life. And, and Gareth Southgate's just another uh, fucking dick in my life. It's annoying me. So there's, there's, there's. <laughs> I, I honestly think that's a that's a World Cup winning squad England have with a different yep. man, with a different manager. That that team could absolutely win the World Cup, but they won't with Gareth Southgate. Well, I hope they don't get out of the groups. I didn't know you had this um that, those feelings for Gareth Southgate. People, I thought you reserved those for Craig Shakespeare and the Newcastle assistant manager. <laughs> no, I have them for Gareth Southgate too. Yeah, he's a fucking tube as well. Um, <laughs> and and it, like the Trent thing, whatever. The thing annoyed me with Trent. Like, if he doesn't pick Trent Alexander Arnold for right back, that's fair enough. Uh, Kyle Walker's probably the one's going to take the lead the jersey anyway. I think Kieran Trippier is brilliant. I really do rate Kieran Trippier as a as a as a right back. I couldn't believe that he went to Newcastle because he was athletic in Madrid, but he did, and he's done quite well there. But Southgate then came out. He didn't have to come out and say this. He came out. He not only then put pressure on Trent, but he needlessly put pressure on Trippier, and for whatever reason, mentioned Trippier in front of it rather than just not saying anything. And he can pick Trippier if he wants, bring him to the World Cup Central, Alexander, whatever. But there was literally no need to do that, and I thought that's going to fucking backfire on him. Like, like the man just can't—he's just an imbecile of a manager. And I don't—I hope England get put out in the group stages. I—I I don't think the Welsh group is weakish enough for them to come through, and they have such a good squad. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me really. He's a—they should have had a Euros, but they didn't. They balls it up, and the fact that he's had Grealish and Foden. And he hasn't been able to do this thing. That one thing he has, he's looked after a sack, and I'll give him that. He was brilliant for that. But they've had such a a pool of players coming through, and really and truly, he's gotten quite lucky to still be in the job. And I don't think he's not going to see the next tournament, like because he's a he's a tube. He is actually a dose of a but human. Do you, you not but think his record's been like he's made a semi of a World Cup and got to the final of Euros? Like is that's Paddy, we could have made the semi finals that World Cup. Yeah, I think that that is fair. <laughs> don't, don't, and and no harm. And I, I like, I'm not, he, I don't want to heap any more pressure on this man. But he keeps picking Harry Maguire, like fucking wise up. <laughs> you know, tomorrow it was in Syria, <laughs> winning Syria, and playing unreal. Doesn't pick him. Picks that fucking fridge instead. Like wise up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like Steve saying, I think Steve agrees. Wise up, like. Yeah, I understand. Stick up for your players and try whatever. I get it because I think my own manager's kind of doing it at the minute at Liverpool. I get that too, but this is international management. You've no need to do that. You can you can drop them. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's just daft. But yeah, um, 
good point on the fact that Grealish and Foden look completely different players when they play at Man City. Um, and it's not as if they're going into an English team, as you said, Stephen, that's poor. It's a really, this is a really, really good England. It's probably the best we've seen in our lifetime. Oh, a squad, really, really good squad. Players starting to hit their peak and you just feel that they're going to be shite. And it's because of that fucking waistcoat wear that, that runs them. But um, I think that well, it's safe they had, um, say, Terry and Ferdinand or something. Like The only place I think they are weak is, is centre-half. I think apart from that, they're fantastic. There's a real kind of yeah. earth. I know, I know Tamori's good and... Um, you know, Stones has had really good times at City and stuff, but they don't have kind of world class centre halves, and that might be their their downfall. Yeah, I think I think Tamora needs to start for them, but uh, he won't start him because he's cheap. Um, well, I mentioned Saka there, and we'll we'll segue on to the North London derby. Unless you have one more point to make on the Manchester derby. No, let's move on. <laughs> I was I was going to mention about a Kanji because I was giving him absolute grief before the game. Um. I've seen him. He's played Northern Ireland a few times. I think Switzerland yeah. have played Northern Ireland about four times in the last yeah. four or five years. Every time I've I've watched him, I've thought he's a bit shit. And then oh, we had the conversation at Winter Park one night about it. Yeah, and then Dortmund. I always think he's poor. And then he was absolutely superb today. Um, yeah, and I did hear about him that he's like a maths genius. It's like oh, you give him it's... any kind of ma- like multiplication, and he can do it immediately. He's like Matilda. Yeah, he is. I saw a video on it one day. It was on like German TV, and they were giving them like a a thousand, a thousand one hundred thirty four, and within like two and a half seconds, he gave them whatever the equation was. I have a lot of respect for that. He's I'd say you do, Brian. New, new favorite player. I'd say there's. I can't imagine uh, Foden and Grealish being able to flip and tie, tie their shoes, let alone multiply one thousand one hundred and thirty-four by eleven or whatever. Um, Christ! They probably uh, yes. Velcro football boots. These two <laughs> slip-ons. Um, the North London derby. Uh, my favorite game in English football doesn't involve Liverpool. I love it uh, because there's always something silly happens or something daft. There's an incident and. Thankfully, Hugo Lloris brought his clown shoes yesterday and decided to drop one in for Spurs. Um, but on Arsenal, uh, Johnny obviously is going to talk more into de- detail about it, but Gabriel Jesus looks amazing. <laughs> like, we talked about Pep there two minutes ago and what he's been doing, and, and you mentioned, Steve, that he let him go to Arsenal. Like, But there was... I never remember him being this commanding as a number nine for City ever. I mean, he scored goals in big games, don't get me wrong, but I never he like he looks like he controls that team, Steve. He never played him as a number nine. <laughs> Is that not the issue, I suppose? Um I, I think he's been phenomenal. I, I was one of the, I thought that this was kind of one of those moves that kind of made sense for both parties. There was there wasn't really much City could do with him anymore, especially with Haaland there. Uh, and obviously Arsenal needed that kind of focal point to their attack. But he just you feel like he's going to score every every single game, um, and I know it was like a, a tap in he got like yesterday, but he's all seems to find himself kind of in the right place quite a lot, um, and I think there's there's a confidence you get as a team when you do have that player, that striker, uh, either a nine or a ten, that you feel like will score every game because then you don't mind like obviously scoring early and then conceding relatively quickly like. You know, Arsenal last year even probably would have capitulated under that pressure and, and, and lost the game. But this feels like a, a different side. Like I'm I still I'm still waiting for the wheels to, to come off for Arsenal. Uh, but they're they're 
they really are kind of showing themselves to be a very much a, a, a top two or three team um in the Premier League this year. And Jesus is a massive part of that. Yeah, I think I think his I think Jesus has been unbelievable, and he maybe just needed that um, kind of confidence or um, you know trust and responsibility put on him to really kick on to another level. He obviously was fantastic at, at Man City, but yeah, you're right, Steve. Like he was played kind of wide left a lot and never really got a good run through the middle. Um, and you know a lot of his time was playing second fiddle to an unbelievable footballer, one of Premier League's greatest, Sergio yeah. Aguero. So. You know, he's really come out of that shadow and he's been great, you know, and the the sort of three around him, uh, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, it's just a really vibrant front four, really fun to watch. Um, and I was lucky enough to go to the Arsenal game against Fulham at the end of August on Brendan's stag. Um, Jetty and Jack um, got me sorted with a ticket, but, you know, they are a good side. Um I think the only thing I would say is that their fixtures have been kind um, and, you know, a lot a lot harder times lie in wait. They're going to be playing a lot of kind of Thursday-Sunday football. Um, I'm not sure if they're just going to sack off Europa League a bit and play second string and see how far they get. But, you know, I, I think they probably don't have the, the strength, the squad strength to actually sustain this. Um but I no. think I'd be I'd be really surprised if they, if they weren't sort of um, finishing top three really by the looks of things. I think they're I think they're uh, you know very safe in that regard. Um, and another great result like Tottenham came to stink the place out and uh, sit deep with a low block and and hit them on the break with Kane and Richarlison and so on. But I thought Arsenal were apart from when it went to sort of one each, they kind of lost their way for a bit. But, you know, they really stepped it up. And it's another fantastic result. JD, as he said, had a few shandies last night. I am sure it was a 10-pinter because he would be absolutely ecstatic because he's a man who is not a fan not a fan of Tottenham Hotspur. So I'm sure he has thoroughly enjoyed his last 24 hours. <laughs> I can only imagine how much of a torturous wee wanker he was wherever he was <laughs> uh, yesterday. Um, I was actually making a point about Jesus and really realised my microphone was on mute. I don't know if any of you saw the Prime. Uh, what do they call it on Prime when they do it? Uh, was it a football club? Oh, All or nothing. nothing. Yeah, and it was on Brazil national team. Don't know if any of you have seen it. I haven't uh, watched it yet, no. no it's a good one. Like I enjoyed it. Um, Jesus is asked by Tiche, what where do you want to play? Because there's a bit of debate of what he's doing at Man City and where, where do you want to play? And he says, wide. I want to be a wide forward. And obviously, Steve, you've been at the point where he never played down number nine. He played a couple of times against Liverpool number nine because he always seems to score against us. <laughs> and he's tortured Joel Maddup a few times. Um, but yeah, he never really played a sustained time there. But it's just the difference of him, like, this season from last. But And yeah, he's gone to a new club, but into Arsenal straight away. It wouldn't have been easy to go into Arsenal straight away. And, and Jesus didn't look like the type of player that sort of could k- take control of a football club, if you know what I mean, like be a real commanding presence. But he even looks like a bigger player this year. He even looks like he's more solid, looks stronger, he's able to hold defenders off a bit more. And 
I think it's. I think he's been really one of the stars this season so far, and he has. He, he hasn't hit Haaland levels of goals, and he's not going to. But what he's given Arsenal has been really brilliant. Like and for JD and, and the Arsenal fans, they'll want to, to continue. And you sort of thought maybe because he's been a wee bit inconsistent, will it drop? He, he didn't score yesterday, but he was just so electric at times and gives him something. He was so confident with the balls. I said he, I'd said in that bit, I'd muted. He nutmegged someone inside the box and he just flicked it through their legs, no bother, and away he went. And brilliant. Like I, I've been so, so impressed with him. I always knew he was a bit of a player in there, but didn't think he would be this as effective as a number nine. Martinelli, Saka as well, Smith Rowe when he's when he's fit, Odegaard. There's so many good little players around them. Shaka's playing well. Um, I'm my doubts at last because uh, I think he's a bit of the clowns in him. Um, at the back, Saliba's been unreal. Though that time, those couple of years back in France, uh, away from Arsenal, obviously growing up, getting more mature, coming back, he looks superb at the back. Um. Gabriel, a little bit of an issue yesterday, but as you'd say, Paddy, they just, when it went one all, they did shake a little bit and then they just gathered themselves and then Spurs were never in it. And obviously the sending off makes a difference to Spurs, but it's, I really do like Antonio Conte, but it's another case of like, I'm just going away from home to completely stink this place out and try and get something. And and like, it's every big game now he does this. Like, it's it's it seems to be it's always his tactic away from home. It's never, he never changes it. And look, he's he's won two league titles and or league titles in two different countries and different things. But he's, he went back to Italy when it went to Milan and Serie A. But with that squad as well at Spurs, I was disappointed in him yesterday because I think they could have went a little bit more and they could have went more at Arsenal to start off with. They had the players to do it and really cause them trouble and see can, how far can they push this Arsenal side because... Barring United, where they got beat, they haven't faced a side where you'd fancy Arsenal to to lose the game, really. Apart from yesterday, you thought you might get on a derby, and Spurs, apart from five or ten minutes, offered nothing. Yeah, I think that's there's a few things there. I think Spurs were very disappointing, and I think Conte is kind of... He's kind of shit the bed in the bigger games this year, I suppose. Um, this He's so negative, and it's so predictable. Um, that's the thing. I, I do think sometimes, like this, was the issue I had with Solskjaer at United. That you know this counter-attacking style that ha- he'd have in big games, and it would be successful in you know one-off games or whatever. And it's obviously the same for Conte. It has worked on occasion, but what was who was the last counter-attacking team that won a league? And that's surely what Spurs' aim should be at this stage, like you know, to be challenging for a league title, and they just. I don't think they can with if this is the approach the manager is taking in big games. Um, they looked almost afraid to lose uh, yesterday's game, which is yeah. again never a, a a great way to go. I thought the sending off was a little harsh. It felt more mistimed than deliberate. Um, yeah, and I thought I thought a yellow card probably would have been a better, fairer decision. But I completely understand why in the context that he probably had to go in, in, in those circumstances. But I think it completely changed the game. And a, a team that were already going to be negative were just going to go into their shell at that stage. And that obviously benefits from Arsenal. I think the only problem that Arsenal probably have is 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 at the back, isn't it? Like, Saliba's, Saliba's good. Um, but, you know, we saw with the penalty that was given away with, 
you know, was it Gabrielle gave it away or whatever? Like th- that feels like a weakness um, for Arsenal. But I think again, like you can only win. Like we talk about, like you can only judge a team by what they've played and who they've played, and they've taken care of business. Like, have they benefited from a, a softer schedule? Absolutely. Um, but you know, that's how you rack up those points. That's how you qualify for Champions League by beating the teams you should beat. Uh, and I think Champions League football for Arsenal would be a massive success for them this year. Uh, I know we were slagging Johnny in the chat, like about Arsenal, you know, Arsenal's title to to lose and stuff like that. But he, I'm sure right now he'd 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 take fourth place on goal difference um, if you offered it to him at the end of the season because they don't. When you see the way City played today, and as good as Arsenal have been this season. They're not in the same league, those two teams. Um, no. And, you know, United have obviously seen both of them up close. They've seen Liverpool up close. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very, there's a big gap between City and everyone else. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens when the two face each other. Yeah, and that game was due to happen in a couple of weeks, but it's, all, it's been postponed um, because of Arsenal's game with PSV that was also called off in the Europa League has to get played. Mm, three years so, in a row, Arsenal have benefited from favourable scheduling. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and Man City. Um, so it'll be interesting to see then when it does get and when they try and squeeze that in. Arsenal's also obviously Arsenal's next game is against Liverpool, which at the minute, <laughs> I mean, I'd have them as as favourites. But Diogo Jota does love playing against Arsenal, so you never know. And then they play Leeds uh, in the league, which will be another tough one. Leeds Arsenal's obviously historically. Um, a big game would be interesting to see that. I think my dad was actually at. He was. My dad was at Highbury for a Leeds Arsenal game in the early, I think it was early 80s, late 70s. He said there was a fight in the uh, in the stand and he wouldn't comment whether he got involved or not, which meant he <laughs> probably he was, yeah. He probably started it. Uh, whereas Tottenham, they play Brighton away next. <laughs> next Saturday night. Good luck. And then they play Everton, then they play United, then they play Newcastle. And then the Liverpool. So Spurs have a bit of a run of games going in here where um, they could have done with not getting chin the North London Derby. And I just wonder, people had mentioned before, I don't think it's going to go this way, but people mentioned before, Conte got beat 3-1 by Arsenal as Chelsea manager and then he went on a a run. I think it was actually a Spurs fan said this. We went on a run and obviously Chelsea went on to win the league. That's not, I don't, that's not going to happen. Um, but I wonder if, and the type of the way they the result went. We've seen before under managers that aren't Pochettino that this Spurs squad can sometimes takes doesn't take too long for this Spurs squad to sort of not crumble but sort of ha- buckle a little bit. And I just wonder. It'd be interesting to see how they get on next Saturday night away to Brighton, where they can bounce back because they need to if they want to be serious about trying to maintain some sort of a title challenge. They'll need to win. That's that's the be all and end all. They need to bounce back a big way. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens there. But um North London Derby never disappoints. I love them. I think they're chaotic. Um and more of them the better. Hopefully we get an FA Cup and a League Cup or something of them this year, final and Johnny's little head explodes. <laughs> Paddy, um Brent's not here tonight, so we don't have to mention Chelsea. The one two one. Who cares? Fuck you. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> No, I'm only joking. Um, they won. Fair enough. Aubameyang scored. Conor Gallagher scored a great goal to win it. Uh, good result for him. First goal. I think he scored for Chelsea as well, which is nice. But um, Liverpool, Brighton. Why? 
Patrick. <laughs> Why? Oh, I went, I, this is a bit morbid, right? And I don't know if people do this or not. I'm sorry if people don't like talking about this, but I went to my dad's grave today, right? And this is the genuine, gen, <laughs> genuine thing I said to them. We've been shite since you died. <laughs> That's what I said to him standing in the grave. So I go and tell him the crack, like if I can. I try and go over at least after most Liverpool games to tell him the crack. I was like, we have been literally shite since you've died. And we have. But why, why have, why have Liverpool, Patrick? Why can they not defend anymore? Can you explain to me what is going on? I think it's because your dad died. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think it is actually. Um, he's he's just he's space jammed to the back four on his way out, the bastard. Just to reap misery on me. But oh. it, it, like, uh, like the Trent thing, we'll get into that because I know Steve's itching to get into that. We'll get into Trent and he was poor yesterday. Uh, for the second goal, definitely one of them we give away. Nah, the first one. Um, it was, uh, was it the first one? I can't remember. There was one where he didn't clear the ball right. Anyway, um, the third goal right, I'm going to talk about first, that Trossard's Trossard hat-trick goal, comes the whole way across the back four. They all miss it. And like year, like last year even, but years before that, Van Dijk stops that. Like it's 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 easy for him. It's it's wee buns for him. Like it's, he stops it. Away it goes. Calm as you like. That was this, as the song goes. No bother. And this year everything keeps going through him. There's a there's a big problem there. Like there's a huge Dutch problem for Liverpool at the minute. I think. And one thing I'm trying to hold on to hope for is that the fact that Ebu Canade is back. And I said this, I think, on the last pod, or definitely said it to you, Patrick, beforehand, and I might have said it to you as well, Stephen. There was a strong argument, and I think you win it, that he was our best centre-half last season. Mm. Canadi, when he played. And he's back now, and I'll let Patrick go first, and then, Steve, you can come in. Do Liverpool need to drop Van Dijk and go Canate and Madup on Tuesday night against Rangers? Uh, I know Van Dijk hasn't been up to his usual exacting standards, but I I wouldn't drop him. Like I still think he's incredible. Yes, he should have cleared that. He, he kind of threw a bit of a heel at it, but I, I really wouldn't sort of... And he's given away a couple of penalties. He definitely has been more erratic this season, but in general, we have been so abysmal throughout nearly every game this year that I, I don't really lay the blame at his... Domain. I'm not lay, laying the blame on him, but is there is there an element of maybe like... Maybe just take him out. You could take Fabinho out too and, and fuck him into the merge at the minute, to be honest, to try and get wake him up because he hasn't been great. But for Tuesday night, I, I, I don't I'm not like Virgil van Dijk is on. I don't need to keep going on about you know how much I, I love him and adore him. But if Canadi is good to go, I would look at going with Canadi and Madip because those two are two best centre halves last year, I thought, as a whole across the whole season. I honestly do think Madip and Van Dijk were and together, put them two together. Just take Van Dijk out for a game, because uh, as much as you said about that goal yesterday, there, like you talk about the Saha goal against Palace, or for, for, for Palace, sorry, the Mitrovic Napoli penalty, he just doesn't look secure. There's just something, there's something not right there, and, and I think maybe just take him out, let him settle down, and then obviously he'll come back in again. It's it's very Van Dijk. You're not dropping him completely, but I think there is, there is a strong case of going with Canada Madup. I think I can say exactly where you're coming from. I think I think probably three of our most important players over the last few years have been Fabinho, Van Dijk and Trent. And all three have had really 
kind of dodgy start to the season. Fabinho in particular has looked off it. And Fabinho does throw in the odd game like this where he looks drunk. But like he's looked like that now a few games in a row and not offering the same kind of defensive shield. So we're we're really exposed. Um and it kind of it's engendered a lot of um kind of confidence in, in teams coming to play at Liverpool that the they feel like they can attack. Like Brighton first half hour Brighton could easily have been four up that's no exaggeration like if you're just yeah. looking at the, the stat sheet from yesterday and you just see oh Brighton had six shots uh, Liverpool had probably treble that but it doesn't tell the story Brighton's chances were excellent um, Alisson made two superb saves I think a draw probably flattered Liverpool yesterday to be honest you know yep. it was really really poor um, Trent I've I know Klopp came out and defended Trent and said, you know, a lot of it's the system and, you know, we want him pushing high, we want someone filling in. But definitely for one of the goals yesterday, he looked fairly disinterested. He could have tracked a bit better, I think. Um, yep. And like you mentioned about Van Dijk, probably the same for Trent. They nearly probably feel undroppable. There's, there is no other right back, really, unless you're playing Gomez out of position. Um, and then for Van Dijk, as you mentioned, with Kanata being injured... He, he maybe does feel a bit undroppable, so there, there maybe is a kind of complacency there. I definitely feel the complacency with, with, with Trent at the moment, so maybe taking them out of the firing line for a game or giving them times to kind of recharge mightn't be the worst idea, but um, yeah, it's, you keep on watching them, you keep on thinking it can't get worse, but then it does. Like You could have gone up Matthew Street in Liverpool on Saturday afternoon and picked 11 boys on a stag do. I actually probably would have fared better against Brighton than that absolute sharded at 3 o'clock well, on Saturday. I'll, I'll let Steve come in because I want to come back to that. Like, you watched it as well, Steve, yesterday. We've had our points here about Van Dijk and, and Trent. What do you think? I think I think the Van Dijk, I think that's a brilliant uh, analysis from, from Baddy. Like, I think the... Uh, I think you made a really good point. The focus has been so much on Trent that Van Dyke has been getting away with a lot, but I think people are starting to notice outside of Liverpool fans because I think Liverpool fans have seen it for a while. But I think your your more neutral observers have kind of started. Oh, this is not the player that was. And look, Liverpool became a Premier League title challenging team with the signing of Van Dyke, Allison, and with both those players turning in world class performances week after week. So it kind of stands to reason when one of them starts dropping that level of performance that the team is going to struggle. I think why that's the case. That's a question that I don't think any of us can answer. There's something. There's something broken there, and like you, you watch their games closer than I do. Both of you, like, but like, have have they changed this their defensive system that dramatically this off season? Have they are they doing a huge amount differently than they did in previous years? I don't think so. Um, certainly not from 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 where I'm looking. Um, but it comes back to, and I think I made this point in like maybe week three or four of the season that. When you can't be dropped, and that's the case with Trent and, and Van Dyke, because there's not a really exceptional replacement there, it's easy to become complacent. We're all human. Like um, One of the best things that can ever happen to someone, regardless of what they do, is to have someone come along who's better and younger than they are, because it just keeps you, keeps you fresh and it keeps you kind of motivated. And I think that's where you've... Liverpool have fallen down is that 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 ready made replacement or that person who's pushing for the spot 
just just isn't there. Like if you think about Liverpool, like you know, Paddy said, you play Gomez out of position or you play Milner. That's not really a a, a viable option at, 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 at wing back for for Trent. So it's 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 a really tough ask. But I think you're right. I think for for Virgil, it's like sit him down, not not drop him, but let him think about it. Like if you know what I mean. Like yeah, these like sometimes you know yourself. Like there are two types of people in sports, right? There's the people who respond to the pat on the back, and there's the people who respond to the kick up the arse. And we've only seen the pat on the back from Klopp for both Trent and, and Van Dyke. So I wonder, I wonder, does he need to try the other approach with them? Um, I think, and and just to kind of move the point on a little bit, like is if before we came kind of start recording, Phil and I were were chatting about how Liverpool looked gassed. This was game one of thirteen games in forty days, forty four yep. days, I think. And though, if Liverpool looked tired now. That squad's in big trouble at the end of this next month and a half. Like it's in big, big trouble. So, um, the one bright spot I think is is Firmino. I think he's playing like incredible football. Um, but that's it. Like that's really all I can see in terms of um, performance levels. He's the only one kind of keep playing at a level we've we've kind of come to expect to from this Liverpool squad. And that might be harsh on on, on some other players, but I think. Allison's probably been at a relatively high level as well. It's hard to really kind of fault him from from any of the goals, but for me, when when Liverpool become a not a one man team, but like for me, is the only standout player for Liverpool at the moment. I think anyway, um, and I think Phil, maybe you can and and Paddy can probably talk about this more, but. Clap substitutions have not been helping Liverpool. That that was going to be what I wanted to move on to. Um, uh, I don't know what you think, Paddy, but. I was like, and I and I couldn't curse because Finn was watching the match with me. But I was ready to kick the TV in half when he made those subs. I, I think it was two all or three two when he decided to bring on Milner for Timmerskas and Elliot for uh, Henderson. And I understand, as you just said, Steve, we've like thirteen games in forty four days, or whatever. And and even beforehand, I don't know if you saw this, but Klopp was talking an hour before the match and. They were asked why Dia, he was asked why Diaz and Jada wasn't playing or Diaz Nunes and Jada weren't starting, and he said the medical department told me you know don't be starting these players, blah 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 and and whatever. Now I'm not taking anything away from medical department, but I don't really want to be here in a medical department make all the the final decisions. Certain things yes, but if a player uh, is fit enough to play, but they just think give him an extra day's rest. I don't really think this is a season Liverpool can really afford to do that because you have to. We need to get. We need to gain ground in teams. We have to be getting wins and no harm to anyone. But like, screw the World Cup. <laughs> you know, it's Liverpool Football Club. It's club football. Like, I don't care if you're going to the World Cup or not. No harm to anyone. It's it's a uh, what I want you to do at Liverpool. But Klopp subbed yesterday. I think it was three two. Maybe Paddy correct me. I think they just they wrecked us. It made no sense. Uh, you saw for the Trossard equaliser, Milner's in no man's land. I don't think Elliot did anything when he came on. I don't really remember him doing anything when he came on. I think I know Henderson's maybe tired, whatever, but we had a wee bit more control at that point in time where we had no control basically the whole game. And they'd finally got it. When Liverpool went 2-1 in the end of the first half and then the start of the second half, 
they were some of the football. They were so quick. Thiago was in control. Everything was going well. Brighton couldn't really get out for a little bit, and they looked so solid. Liverpool looked in control. You knew what was going to happen, and then as soon as they made those subs, it went back in the Brighton's favour. And then Brighton just realised, hang on, actually, we were we were we were the better team here for most of the match. We'll just click back in the gear again. And it only was a matter of time as Klopp's. He even said himself, it was a matter of time before they got the equaliser. But you made the subs, Jürgen. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, you made that call to change those two players for those two players you did. And, and it was it, it was infuriating, Paddy. I think he's on mute. He is on mute, yeah. Patrick. <laughs> He's in stone silence. He's maybe had to go on a on a call or something. He's because he's he on call. He didn't warn us. He could have to drop. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll be was... in here, but I like I yeah. yeah. I brought it up. Like I I, I think you're. What Liverpool needed was substitutions that would kind of calm the game down, and if anything, it just made it a little bit more chaotic. Um, so I don't know. It was. <sighs> Like I, I'm not buying into this cop seven year thing because it can't like it doesn't make any sense that a coach suddenly gets bad after seven years or players stop responding after seven years because not all of those players have been there for the entire seven years of his of his of his coaching career. But it there's something not right and it it feels. Do you know what it feels like? It feels very vengery. Um, kind of towards the yeah. part of, of of his time at Arsenal, where yeah, they get results and they wouldn't lose many games, but they weren't winning games that um that they would normally be expected to win and win comfortably. Now that said, absolute credit to Brighton. You know, they lose their manager, they lose their identity, and yet they don't. They just replace him with like you know a continental version of Graham Barr. Um, and, and do exactly the same thing. Like um, that's a very well run football team, and that's the model for. Without taking away from you know how bad the Liverpool were, like that's the model for how mid table to mid to top tier Premier League clubs should be run, and the type of coaching they should look at, and the type of philosophy they should be kind of implementing. I think there's a lot there that um, but it, like. Brighton were unlucky. They should have won that game. Like they yeah. probably, they probably came away from that game thinking that's two points dropped, which is kind of mad. <laughs> do, do you know what Brighton are? Do you remember when Stoke first arrived and everybody hated playing them yeah. because they were big fucking grocks. They threw the ball in from everywhere. They were just massive. They bullied you. You knew what was coming. Brighton, Brighton or Stoke, only they kill you with kindness. Like they lull you into false pretense, and then they just slice you a thousand cuts. They're actually they're superb to watch. It, it was, it was when it was three two Liverpool. I was in bits with stress because I knew what was coming, and they just looked superior Liverpool yesterday. They were so, and that's not me trying to take away from Liverpool being shit. I'm not doing that. I'm just talking about how good Brighton were. They were just so good. And that's why I mentioned them earlier when Spurs are playing them next week away next Saturday night half five. They'll beat Spurs, I think. They're just oh, like yeah. and, and you were thinking of the new you know the way we people talk about the new manager bounce. Watford got it today with Billich, I think. Where a manager leaves and blah blah blah. But because Graham Potter left and it was in good terms, I think people were maybe thinking I'm not talking about what that douchebag Graham Soon is saying he doesn't understand the league. I mean it might have went the opposite direction. 
well, we were in a good run. Now we changed manager when we didn't want to. How's this going to go? Oh, no, it turns out it's just exactly the same. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It, it, turns want, out, it turns out nothing has changed. We're like actually just sprinting. Yeah, that, like, <laughs> yes. that's what you want. That, like, a manager with the same philosophy, same style, just, you know, a better haircut um, and smarter suits. That's kind of that's kind of it. Like, um, I, You're right about Brighton killing. When United played them, I think it was, was it August. Um, United, kind of the first 15, 20 minutes of that game, I thought, okay, this is going to be a comfortable United win. <laughs> then all of a sudden it was 2-0 before half time and it was like what the hell has just happened and that's a lot of how Brighton play um, but I enjoy watching them I think they're 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 an enjoyable team to watch now if Liverpool are 3-2 up on Brighton with 10-15 minutes to go should that game finishes and draw probably shouldn't um, so that's where it comes back to it, that inability to see out a game because I think you're well used to Liverpool conceding first at this stage and going behind. That has just been a pattern for so long now. Um, but Liverpool under Klopp have been very, very good at coming back. And you know, I, I, I think I've said this to you a few times. Like I don't even look at the Liverpool score until most. If I'm not watching the game, I don't even look at the score until like 70, 75 minutes because I'm so used to Liverpool conceding and then coming back and winning anyway. Um, so I don't get my heart or my hopes up too much that Liverpool are going to lose any game, sadly. But now I do, though. Now I'm starting to feel, oh, hang on. This could be interesting, like, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do think, like, we kind of, I, I, not to labour too long on it because I, I know we're at like 50 minutes or whatever, but I do think Trent, considering how big Klopp stood up for him, how much flack Klopp took he did not reward him with that performance. No. It was so poor. Um, and look, I get a lot of joy out of trying to have bad games as, as a right back <laughs> because I've been banging that drum for so long. But it's it, it's not... It's, he's still a young player. He can still improve a lot, right? But he's getting Harry Maguire levels of grief now. And we've seen <laughs> what that did. No, but we've seen what that did to Harry Maguire as a player. Yeah, yeah completely shot his confidence and I don't want to see that because Trent Alexander-Arnold is too good a footballer for that to happen um, or for that to be allowed to happen but you can see a situation where if he turns in five or six more of these performances this side of Christmas he could fall into that Harry Maguire joke bracket um, and you know, I, I'm certain Liverpool fans don't want that I think he's lucky and Paddy's back now so I want to get Paddy's thoughts on the subs yesterday and the team selection. I know we've, me and Steve then went talking about how brilliant Brighton were but I would like to get Paddy's opinion on that too but I think Trent's lucky that Tuesday night we're playing Rangers that Calvin Ramsey has been injured for a little bit and hasn't got any game time because I mentioned about how I would bring Kanata in for, for Van Dijk. You'd probably be looking at that would be one of your games to give Calvin Ramsey a start at right back because obviously he played against Rangers last year and he knows them and to settle them in. And I think Trent's quite lucky that he, that that's not going to happen. Uh, it might still happen with Gomez. Who knows? I'd, I'd much rather a more orthodox or more, more standard right back coming in. But uh, yeah, Paddy, I mentioned before we had to go off on call about um, the subs at 3 2 yesterday, Milner and Elliott. How infuriated. I was with them, and also the team selection. Like I think, if I think Liverpool played Diaz and Jota, that could end up a different game because of what they offer going forward. 
you mentioned Firmino was brilliant, but Steve, what do you think, Paddy? Yeah, uh, the subs were strange. Well, so starting with the team selection, because we were texting um, just before the game, and we were very surprised that like, we were expecting, obviously, Diaz to play, um, and one of Jota or Nunez, and, and none of the three of them played. Um, I think Carvalho has looked like a, a great little impact player. You know, he's young and he's just come come in. I was really surprised to see him start. And in, in his last couple of starts against United and against Everton. Brighton yesterday, or against Everton, sorry, he's looked a bit lightweight. Um, he played in, in the midfield three against Everton and was kind of bullied a bit. And then yesterday he offered kind of nothing. Um, so I don't know if he just needs a wee bit more time um, and to play in a a better team maybe but um yeah the subs were weird um you know i don't understand taking Simicas off the left back and putting on milner i can understand milner going on and maybe playing in midfield to shore things up or changing the shape but it just seemed like a needless a needless sub to put someone who's not a left back on at left back um you know it, it seemed seemed unusual and then you know nunez he came on the 89th minute. Like, what are you, what are you really going to do? You know, we had no time yeah. to affect any change. Not, not that he mightn't have affected any change, but he had no, he had no chance. Like, he's quite a disruptive player. Like, a few of the games, although he's been pretty poor, like he came on in the, in the community shield and and threw himself about and was a real nuisance. And then when he came on against Fulham in the first game of the season, he got a goal and an assist just by being a pest. And I just thought it was really weird to wait until the 89th minute to make that change whenever, you know, we were really struggling because we went ahead in the 54th minute and then we were complete dog shit from there <laughs> till the end of the game. Um, yeah. Like the goal was a matter of time, uh, the, the, the equaliser. Um, and it just would have been nice just to see <sighs> just something different, especially after the goal. Like... Make the change immediately. You know, put put him on the eighty fourth minute, just after the goal. Why wait another five minutes to throw on your kind of plan B? It just seemed weird to me. Um, but yeah, a, a hugely, hugely disappointing afternoon. I, I think the that kind of tried and tested midfield: Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago. With Fabinho not really, not really doing anything, it just looked broken. Um, and we know from the season that that you know all of our centre-halves' knees got detonated, that whenever one complete line of the team is um, is out, whether it be midfield, you know, defence, it, you know, it's absolutely screwed then, especially the spinier team. You can might be able to cope without a, a, a winger or a full-back, but if your centre-halves and your defensive midfield are completely gone, it's just, teams are just walking through us. Like, um, it's, it's insane. And, you know, there's, there's, there's better teams than Brighton that are going to absolutely smack us pretty soon if we're not very careful. And Brighton were well, Napoli did. Yeah, Rangers could whack us. Like we're that bad. We are that bad at the minute that um, we could we could lose against a against the Scottish side on Tuesday. It's worrying. Um, <laughs> I think on Fabinho as well. Like, and not to turn this into Liverpool podcast, but I do think like Fabinho, Trent, and Van Dijk have been. What I think, anyway, have been the three poorest players this season. Um, there is the the opportunity to go with Henderson as the six, Thiago in with in the midfield as well, and then 
it's possibly going to be Elliot or something or someone else. I, I would have liked to see Arthur as well. Yes, uh, get minutes yesterday because like that's why he's here. But you know something like that. Um. In the midfield, because Fabinho has been the issue, and as you said, once one line breaks down, the whole thing implodes. But yeah, they're at a they're a weird place. Um, Klopp's had adversity obviously before, and, and he's come through it. And as Steve said he doesn't buy into the seven year thing. I don't either, but I do think so, I think I don't think he's going to leave us this year. I do think they've made an error not strengthening midfield, and they've, they've set themselves back a bit. Now they will regain it. There's not to say that they won't, but. Um, He's going to have to make some tough calls and they're going to probably have to refresh things. Now, they can do that with some of the younger players I have now and, and try different things going forward. But, uh, yeah, yesterday was was tough to watch uh, as a Liverpool fan. Uh, obviously, as a neutral, it was amazing. And a Brighton fan was amazing. And, and I think Brighton, Brighton should have won that 6-3, to be honest. Just like what happened today, Brighton really should have stumped Liverpool. Uh, and they didn't. But, um We've spoken for an hour. I was going to try and squeeze in the Super League, but I'll leave it because uh, I'm conscious of the time. But uh, unless you have anything else you want to bring up, I'm very much a pro Super League person now. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, no Arsenal, I, just Spurs, United, City, Liverpool, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll bring up that I was at my first ever um, football memorabilia fair today, which Ooh, was nice. absolutely superb. It was full of complete geeks like me, <laughs> like absolutely loving talking about it's the Big Bang Theory conference and, and tickets, and it was absolutely unreal. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Got programs from my. I went with the intention of trying to find a program for my first ever Northern Ireland game, which I got, and I also got the program for my first ever Portadown game, my first ever Liverpool game, and my first ever Northern Ireland away game. It was oh, absolutely wow. unreal. unreal. Um, and met an, a guy who's authored a few books on the Northern Ireland football team, and he chatted to him for a good 20 minutes and signed the book and all. It was, uh, it was fantastic. Re- re- thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And the other thing I'm going to add is that Owen's looking to shout out, because my brother is travelling through Europe at the moment, and he went to People's Team, Real Oviedo, against Cartagena um, today so uh, Owen was looking to shout out that's now he's been at Clermont against Toulouse and, and Oviedo today so he's getting getting around Europe rightly watching football so fair play to the wee squirt and I hope he never goes again because they were thumped 3-1 <laughs> yeah, yeah he was texting me he said Oviedo were absolutely terrible yeah uh, the, the, uh, that's not a great result really like I was kind of not really wanting to bring it up because obviously Liverpool didn't win yesterday as well, but fuck it, we brought it up now, haven't we? Um, I just want yes. to mention, uh, I don't know, like before we finish up, I don't know, obviously Coolio died this week, and this might seem like a strange tangent for a football podcast. Right? <laughs> Where is this going? Coolio died this week, and I don't know if you saw the the thing that was doing rounds, but Coolio was once booked onto Irish TV to a, an afternoon TV show called Open House. Now, Open House was for like retired people. Um who, you know, sitting at home with a nice pension, uh, like lovely relaxing kind of afternoon, easy kind of, your, your TV equivalent to easy listening, but Coolio had been uh, invited on because the producers mistaked him for Julio and Glaces. Um <laughs> And they weren't expecting uh-huh. it. Now, broadcasting legend Marty Whedon was was, was at the helm for, for Open House and uh, he, he handled it very well, like considering nobody knew what was going on. But because... 
Coolio had been used to performing with backing dancers and his backing dancers weren't available. So they just got people from the RT production crew to 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 um to take part as backing dancers. And one of them wore the most hipster football jersey that you can imagine. And it was the Rio Valcano wasp Whoa. jersey. Yeah, early oh was that early God. early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, like check it out when they, when they just went on yeah. YouTube. It's incredible. It is like one of the best football jerseys that have, has ever been made. And I just thought that guy thought this is my one chance to appear on television. I'm going to wear the most hipster football jersey that I could possibly imagine. Um, but it's an incredible, it's an incredible clip uh, for many many reasons. But Paddy's talking, Paddy talking about like football memorabilia there just reminded me of. Uh, of that jersey because it was it's probably the the prize jersey in my football jersey collection I think at this stage so there's a Bilbao one I have with a, it's a black one with a silver line on it that was just a phenomenal kit as well like but yeah that was just, that was that's where I went that's how Coolio ended up on the oh that's the class if yeah, you want to get uh, Paddy Renshaw on your good side I was going to make a sexual reference there but I won't. Um, mention football memorabilia or mention football toss with sashes. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, who doesn't love a sash? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sash bash. Let's get our Rio Balicano Peru tops on. Let's just go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Right, uh, I think that'll do us this week, folks. I I have never um edited a podcast off a new software we're using. And Brenton's getting married, so fuck knows when this will go up, but um, hopefully he's here soon. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing really with it, but um, all the best to me. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. They'll be doing nothing during the week, really. I'm going to try and write something, hopefully tonight, maybe tomorrow night once I've calmed down after Liverpool's uh, resulted on field yesterday. But um, they'll be definitely in the losers bracket. Uh, but yes, we'll we'll get something out. But thanks for listening. Get us on all your podcast apps, uh, iTunes, Podcast Addict, Spotify. Just look for the Football Babble pod. You'll find us. Um, Patreon.com forward slash the Football Babble uh, as well. And across Twitter and Instagram at the Football Babble. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. It is now the big run-in until the World Cup. So there's literally football on every day, more or less, until, uh, until well, the World Cup. And then it's on every day as well. Oh my goodness, I just realised that. Right up until sometime in December, we are going to have just be football in the brain. So bring it on. Chat to you soon. Enjoy the week. If your teams are playing in Europe, hope they lose. And um, <laughs> yeah, chat to you again next Sunday. Good luck. Clap out. Good luck.